Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined live from U.S. Bank Stadium by Jim Suhand and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune after the Vikings, what was it, 28-27 to 27 win against the Carolina Panthers and former Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater comes in and can't seal this game. Um, you guys, I thought it was interesting to hear Vikings coaches all week talk about how Teddy Bridgewater is the kind of guy you don't want to see in the closing minutes, the final minutes of a game. And yet it was Kirk Cousins who led this game-winning drive. Um, I guess just starting off, Jim, what did you think about the way this game ended? Well, I thought that Teddy had a horrible start to the game, and he missed an open receiver for what would have been a clinching touchdown. And then Cousins had a brilliant last drive. I mean, he was kind of up and down all game, but, man, the last drive he was right on. He didn't have any margin for error. He didn't have many timeouts. And he goes right down the field and – so it was impressive, you know, and his final numbers were impressive, and they absolutely had to have it. So uh, this is a good day for Kirk. Yeah, Ben, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting that, I mean, you find yourselves in these situations a lot in the NFL, especially when you're a team that plays all, tends to play a lot of close games either because it hasn't quite figured out how to put people away or it has over the years played in low-scoring games. So you, you end up here quite a bit. I think in the NFL in general and you know, people wanted to kind of talk about that at the end of last week. And I wrote about it on Monday and you know, heard a lot of, well, it's a small sample size. It's hard to evaluate quarterbacks at the end of games. And my point was this isn't like baseball where a ninth inning at bat is fundamentally the same task as a sixth inning at bat. That's probably true in baseball. It's not true in the NFL because you have to hurry up. You have to operate differently at the end of games than you do when you're running a normal offense. You can't run play action. You can't hand off. It's a different task. And today he did it masterfully. He he had a chance to go win the game and no timeouts, a tougher task than he had last week when he had a timeout and only needed to go tie the game. Today he needed a touchdown, did not have a timeout, went and got it done, and, and he deserves the credit for that. I mean, it, it was an impressive way to finish it and uh, <laughs> almost didn't matter, almost didn't become a situation where he even had a chance to go win it. But uh, the the way it worked out, the opportunity was there and he took it. Yeah, I thought too, this this Vikings defense didn't necessarily play its best game. Um, we had saw Panthers kind of running backs running through them in the first half. But Jim, you brought up Teddy Bridgewater's issues right away. Um, it kind of, I don't know, seemed to, I guess the talk before this game was like, hey, maybe Vikings fans will have this kind of what if moment with Teddy Bridgewater, but there really wasn't much of that today. No, and uh, I was, Really looking forward to watching Teddy play. I really like covering him. I liked watching him. I think he's a very smart quarterback. I think he's a great, an excellent leader, great personality. But, you know, when somebody plays lousy, you got to point out they played lousy. He was terrible early, and then he missed a big throw late, and that's enough. You know, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a league where, you know, I mean, the Steelers are undefeated and the Chiefs are remarkable, and everybody else is just in the, in the muck trying to figure out a way to, to win week to week. And your quarterback just has to make those plays that make a difference. And this, you know, I'm, I'm a little the surprised. I'm a little surprised. Whoop. I'm the, sorry. The, the highest <laughs> I apologize. Uh, I'm a little surprised, frankly, that it was Teddy who screwed up at the end and Kirk that played great at the end, but that's what happened. 
Yeah, it just kind of seemed like it was the opposite script heading into the game, just in terms of how these guys were being talked about. And really, I mean, it's it's Kirk Cousins now in two out of the past three weeks. He didn't get it done at Dallas. We talked about that against Dallas. But it's been two out of the past three weeks now that we've seen him kind of make fourth quarter plays to win games against somewhat tough defenses. Obviously, Chicago is a lot tougher than Carolina, but um, it's kind of been finding a new way to win a little bit for a team that's still just five and six, still middling on its own. But they've at least found ways that when Dalvin Cook's not churning out four touchdowns and 200 yards, they're at least finding ways to get it done. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because they did not have a lot of success running the ball today. And we've seen the second half of the season be largely about Dalvin Cook. It's been when they've been able to get him going, they've had success and they have ridden him in a way that shows that they think they have to do it that way. I mean, the, the, the workloads they've given him, have been pretty taxing, and we wondered, is he going to hold up the rest of the way? And you certainly thought that after he had the fumble and uh, looked like he was going to be hurt for quite a while before he came back in. Somebody pointed out on Twitter that the fact that he shares an alma mater with Xavier Rhodes, maybe, maybe they teach it down there at Florida State, that there, there's kind of the weekly drama about a possible injury. So maybe there's something to that, but – they did not have the ability to lean on him the same way today that they've wanted to do with these last few weeks. And the fact that they got it done, I think, is a, certainly a credit to, to Kirk Cousins in a lot of ways. Yeah, Jim, what do you think about just the fact that we've seen Kirk Cousins do this a couple times? Now, we've seen him, if you go back to last year's Denver game, you go back to certain moments, we've seen him do it. Um, it's just consistently, right? So what did you think about Kirk's performance today in the context of, you know, his career. Well, you know, they had the opening drive, which looked great. And so often we've seen Viking teams that do that, whether it's Stefanski or, or Kubiak, they have a great program this year. He killed this franchise. He killed this team. And as soon as we write him off, he comes back and now he's playing well. I, I don't know what it's all about. Uh, I, I don't, still don't know that I trust him, but I probably should have predicted that as soon as we buried him, he would start playing better. The question there, though, is where does any of that get you? I mean, it, it gets you, I suppose, to the five and six. Yeah, yeah, it gets you to the point where you're in it every year, and you can sell hope, which in the NFL people will buy because you. I mean, you see it; they start one and five, and they're potentially in a position where they can take advantage of a soft schedule and go to the playoffs. So, I mean, it, it's the way the NFL has set itself up. It's why people can't get enough of it because everybody has a chance. So you have a chance to get in and you have a chance to stay relevant, which I think from from the bottom line perspective is as valuable as anything else. But is it going to get you over the top? I, I think is the, the big question that's been raised a lot this season. But, uh, yeah, for now, it has them still in the mix. You know what yeah, this franchise is good at? Getting people paid. Got spiel- yep. Yep. They get the Wilfs paid, they get the Wilfs the stadium, they get the GM paid, they get the coach paid, they get the running back paid, they get the, the uh, quarterback paid, they get the, they're, they're trying to get the defensive end paid, uh, middle linebacker, outside linebacker, the safe. Everybody who's good has shown any proficiency in this organization has basically gotten paid. Playoff victories aren't really there. Well, Jim, what are the chances they still make it to the playoffs somehow? You wrote about today the kind of outlook, and it seems like every NFC team in front of them lost today. Right, and we really don't know what effect COVID is going to have. I mean, some teams ahead of them could just cease to function at some point, not be able to play. 
uh, not be able to play in a way that allows them to operate. You know, we watched the, I mean, Denver played without a quarterback today. That could happen to any of the teams in front of the Vikings. Could happen to the Vikings too. Uh, but so, I mean, I don't, if this were a, a quote unquote normal season, I wouldn't know what, exactly what to predict out of this team right now. When you add in the possibilities that COVID could bring into play, I mean, this team could go to the playoffs. This team could play somebody that isn't really ready to play in the playoffs in advance. I mean, or this team could go out and lose to Jacksonville next week and make us all feel foolish for saying anything nice about them at all at any point this year. <laughs> that would pretty much do it. Um, ben, what did you think about just in general what we saw toward the end of the game? Um, you and I read through Teddy Bridgewater's comments afterward, and he pretty much called out the coaching staff and said when they were at the goal line, on that third and goal, and they're trying to score the go-ahead touchdown, or not go-ahead, excuse me, the game-winning, basically game-sealing touchdown that would make it a two-score game. We heard him say that the play call didn't come in on time, um, that at the time they wanted to run a pre-snap motion but didn't have enough time because of how long it took the play call to come in. Um, it was it was kind of more of an honest Teddy Bridgewater than maybe, of course, the younger version we saw however many years ago. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. And, and maybe that's age and maybe that's feeling established a little more than he was when he was younger. Maybe it's more acceptable in different teams and it's hard to say, but it was interesting to hear that. And it, it took me back a little bit to kind of the one instance of that I remember happening here. And we, we talked about it, I think Andrew, a little bit this week on our podcast, the Thursday night game in 2015 that they lost in Arizona where they had that long developing fourth down call that led to the strip sack that Bridgewater that gave up to, I think it was Dwight Freeney, if I recall. Um, and he basically said, I didn't have time to, I didn't have an option to check out of that play. And it, I had to wait for a guy to come all the way across the field before I had anywhere to go with the ball. So it was interesting because today was much more forthright about here were the issues and, and, uh, Matt Rule stayed around to basically talk about all of them as well because he essentially said we had enough problems that I should be here to address them and, and own up to them. So, I mean, classy move by him. But, yeah, interesting to see Teddy um, fairly willing to point out the problems. And the funny thing is we create a lot of this stuff as being, oh, it's so controversial. He called somebody out. It's it In a lot of ways he was just saying, hey, here's what happened and – Here's what went wrong. Here's what we need to do better. Everybody in there knows it. They're airing it publicly, but um, you know, sometimes I think we create these things like, oh, he's saying that this guy's bad at his job. It's like, no, he's basically saying that in this situation, this was supposed to happen, and instead this happened. Yeah, and frankly, he said the most important part at the end where he said that we just have to hit the throw because no matter what it was, DJ Moore was wide open. Like He had a chance to seal that game wide open, and instead he misses that throw, and that's – that's on Teddy. I mean, he could have been a little spooked and tried to, you know, hurry that up because of the process was kind of um, a little hastened for him. But in general, we just didn't see the same quarterback that at least the Vikings talked up so much. He had a bad game. It was a bad game. And Teddy, afterward, he went straight for Mike Zimmer. He met up with a bunch of Vikings veterans like Kyle Rudolph, Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris. Um, they all had their kind of moment. But afterward, Teddy didn't want to talk about it. And he's a pretty private guy in general, so that's not too shocking to see Teddy kind of close up about that. But I'm sure it had to have been emotional because this was the last game he played for the franchise. This was the stadium where he played the last game for the franchise that drafted him. It was Although it was a preseason game, this is where he kind of got everybody's hopes up. And then, of course, that that devastating injury that was nobody's fault happened. So um, it's just kind of an interesting turn in the story. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just it's, it was an interesting kind of uh, collision here, and one that I think the Vikings coming out in front of um, 
says maybe a little bit about Teddy that, I don't know, I think we kind of pumped him up. Yeah, I mean, in the end, Cousins outplayed him. And Cousins did it on a day where his best receiver, including the guy that he looks to most in the red zone, was watching at home. And, you know, we need to see when Adam Thielen comes back. This was not contact tracing this week, we've said. But, and it obviously, I from what I've heard all week, he's not feeling badly. <laughs> he certainly didn't look... Like he was under the weather very much at the end of the game when that, when his wife put that video out, how he reacted. But so I, I would think we'll see him back, but you have to pass the test to come back this week. That said, the fact he wasn't here, the fact that the Panthers largely contained Dalvin Cook, Cousins had to find ways to get it done and it involved guys that we haven't seen very much. We, we haven't seen BC Johnson be that kind of a factor all season. We saw Tajay Sharp on the field more today than we have all year, really, since that first game where Cousins looked for him on that fourth and three. Um, Justin Jefferson in the red zone kind of took over some of those targets that Thielen gets. Kyle Rudolph is a bigger factor. He had no Irv Smith today. So uh, Cousins had a good day for the most part other than the, the fumble, and uh, I thought he was pretty resourceful given the guys he was missing. Yeah, Jim, speaking of that, do you think we learned anything about the Vikings receiver depth or is this Panthers secondary? The Panthers were down one of their starting corners. They're not a great secondary to begin with. They're more kind of the strength is their defensive front. But heading into this, I thought there were major questions about the Vikings receiver depth. And, hey, they still put up 200 yards collectively. They did. Uh, I think we know that Jefferson's legit and whatever role you play him in. I thought the big development was that BB made some plays. You know, they've, they've been talking about him and trying to develop him and trying to find the right role for him for a while now. And they really needed a day and he came through. BC Johnson, I think, is exactly what you've seen, what you've always seen. I think he's solid. I think he'll catch the ball when it's thrown to him. I don't think he's explosive in any way. But BB's interesting because theoretically should be able to shake you know, shake coverage. You should be able to run the ball with the ball after the catch. Uh, and I thought, you know, that it was a complicated route or anything, but he did create a lot of separation there on that touchdown catch in a situation where everybody knows the ball's probably going there, you know? So, so I, th- I thought the big development was the BB actually made some plays and even made some plays after almost losing the game single handed. That's the thing. This guy's got to learn how to call a fair catch. And then when he does, just focus on the football. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't called Marcus Sherrill's. They put the bat, the bat signal out for him yet because it's been so bad on punt returns. It reminded me of the Brad Shoulders thing he always told us. Uh, well, you know, the, the word, I, I'm going to paraphrase it. The, the word receiver mm-hmm. contains the word, the word to receive. You know what I mean? If you're going to be a receiver who's fielding punts, you should be able to catch the punt. <laughs> That's a good point. And I'm sure the Vikings were, uh, Marwin Maloof is really thinking that. Ben, how much longer can these ups and downs last on special teams? I know you had the blocked field goal from DJ Wanham. Um, you've had plays that they've made, but just in general, you've still seen them kind of sputter all over the place on special teams. Well, when Chad Beebe lost the ball there at the end of the game, that had a chance to cost them the game directly. And they've had moments that have cost them points this season on special teams. Um, you could, you could have put the, the Bears game on the special teams unit if they had lost it, certainly with the Cordero Patterson kick return. This would have cost them the game if Teddy makes that throw. We're all talking about Chad Beebe muffing a punt and Chad Beebe never gets the chance for redemption. Kirk Cousins never gets the chance for redemption. So when those things continue to happen, I, I can't imagine anything happens during the season just because I, I think it'd be awfully hard to, 
change course. I mean, Ryan Ficken, their assistant special teams coach, I suppose could take over, but I would not be surprised if after the season they're going in a different direction. I, I just, I think this number of mistakes when we've seen units that have had this many issues before, I'm thinking back to Jeff Davidson on the offensive line early in Zimmer's tenure, they were gone pretty quickly. That was the one where Zimmer uh, fired him and, uh, yeah, I think he said, I, I've chosen not to retain the offensive line coach. And, and he got asked, why didn't you retain him? And he said, because I didn't want to. So I could see a change after this season, given the number of mistakes they have. But we'll You're see not win the Super Bowl? <laughs> How can you fire the special teams coach after you win the Super Bowl? I, I don't. <laughs> when Bailey hits a game winner in the Super Bowl? Yeah. No, it'll be uh, Vedvik will kick the uh, game winner in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I can see it now. I can see it now. I do wonder though, they are reaching the point where they're going to have to make a special or a long snapper decision, uh, full term, you know, long term. They can only promote this guy twice. They've done it twice now. And, uh, they might have to cut their draft pick from a, a couple years ago if he doesn't pan out now. Um, other than that, the biggest problems are returning, punt returning, covering. I mean, we saw the rookie Dan Shasena get back on the field. He's a really talented cover man for them on punts. He actually drew two holding calls on the Panthers. One of them got picked up, but. Um, he was activated after a one-game benching. He kind of came back and showed something. Track guy. Yeah, track guy, as Ben likes to point out. Um, he's he's done some things that give you – you know. and then Boyd. Chris Boyd's another one where he's so up and down. He gets has good plays, and then I think he was flagged once or twice today on special teams. Um, it's just they've got so many young guys that have that potential that they're trying to hold on to and kind of give these opportunities, and they keep making mistakes that get those opportunities taken away. So – We'll have to see how long those last. Um, Chris Jones somehow on defense is still getting snaps. What do you guys think about that? I think it's some of it's just where they are. I mean, they don't have enough other alternatives to, to continue to do it. I mean, I think a lot of it, if they had all their alternatives, you wouldn't see him. We, we've seen the history of that. We know the, the history of the Zimmer hook. and um, George Iloka probably could tell you in pretty vivid terms about that. So I think if, if they had better options, they probably wouldn't be out there. But even on the, on the BB Muff punt, it was, I mean, Chris Orr, bounced off Chris Orr, but you have Chris Jones right there blocking him basically into Chad BB. So once again, he was almost a pretty big factor in how this one turned out. So yeah, I, I think he's just there because they don't have a lot of different options given where they're at. Once again, Marcus Sherrill's, he could solve. Bring him in, have him play. You know, Jim, I don't think they ever had him play corner even when he was 25. I know, I know. I'm, they I'm did it in New England a couple of years ago. Yeah. When oh, uh, Xavier Rhodes basically couldn't move, they had him flipping series with Marcus Sherrill's in that game. All right, guys. Do we have anything else to recap from this game? Ben, am I, am I missing anything? I'm sure there's something else. It feels like this is one of those where a lot – happened and have to go back and probably watch the entire second half given I had my head in the computer writing a game story. But, um, you know, it's, I think one of those where, yeah, it it could go either way. And and they have, this is their third one point game of the season. They've, they're now one and two in those games. I think it's their fifth where there's been a lead change in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, this is, this is the NFL where you, you have to live on that edge and, Today, I mean, they, they made enough mistakes that it almost cost them, but then you get the block field goal that ultimately helps to save you, and then you make enough plays at the end to do it. So it 
these margins between are they good and are they not are not very big. And it, the record swings on these little moments, like a couple plays here or there. Two final thoughts. One is without Eric Kendricks, this team might be tied with Jacksonville uh, going into Sunday's game. Yeah. And the other one is that Bucks have a bye. They're seven and five. If the Vikings beat Jacksonville, they're six and six with a chance to catch up to Tampa in Tampa. I think it's on December 13th. And I did, that's, that's weird. It's true and it's weird just like the rest of the season. I booked a flight for that game yesterday and there's a flight back from Tampa on Sunday night that would have been aggressive, but that stadium was right near the airport. I thought, okay, this is possible. But then I thought mm, that game could end up getting moved to late afternoon if they keep winning and there's playoff stakes online. So Monday morning departure for Minneapolis it is because there's a chance that that is a big game. Although I think after we visit Florida, we'll be quarantined for the next three months. Yeah, it's also possible. (laughs) And those are our parting shots. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.